If you really want to do something, you'll find a way. If you don't, you'll find an excuse. No real running background. But 18 months later, welcome to the ultra running community. Hello and welcome to the Ultra Running Podcast with me, Coach Marshy. I hope you're all well. Since we last spoke, my update is that things are starting to move in a slightly more positive direction for myself, which is all being captured on my daily vlog over on the Coach Marshy YouTube channel. So let's think about that hook then at the beginning, what we're talking about. Let's welcome today's guest. So I'm going to bring in Dan. Hi, Dan. How are you? I'm good, mate. Thank you very much. Yourself? Yeah, no, I'm all right. I'm good. I'm good. Training's in the right direction, I think. So uh, all positive for me. If we just introduce you, Dan, let's uh, let's find out who you are, you know, where you're from, what you do in your day job and what your involvement in running is. Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm a self-employed financial advisor, um, originally from Sutton Ashfield, just north of uh, Nottingham, Uh, moved about a bit. over the years with uh, with uni and, uh, and other partners and I um, moved in um, 2020 down to Cottenham near Cambridge to be with my um, current partner Kirsten. Um, yeah uh, that's that's me outside of running really. Um, I've done a lot of work with horses in the past um, and uh, um, so that's kind of like my, my other passion um, other than other than running. Um, and then within running, I am the fixture secretary for high runners. Um, and yeah, just a, just a, a normal person that likes to get out and pound some miles. Excellent. So uh, for our regular listeners, they will be used to the phrase high runners um, because that is our running club, Dan, that we're, that we're both part of. And that's hence how we, how we met and became friends. I would say we become you know, quite good mates over the last sort of 18 months as well. Um, obviously, you were you were new to the Cambridge area, right? Um, yes, and, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, that was that was the main sort of driver, really. So um, Jess, one of our other members, um, is, is best friends with my my current partner, and I, I'd moved down, and I was doing I'd done a bit of running um, when I'd moved back home again. I'd, I'd kind of picked it up. I hadn't really done anything for about 10 years. Um, other than the odd four to eight hundred meter sort of sprint as part of a body weight or uh, a weight session, um, and um, I didn't really know anyone. So um, Kirsten said, uh, sort of spoke to Jess about it, and Jess said, "You know, why don't you come down to to high runners?" And 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 that was how we met, and uh, it's uh, it's sort of grown grown from there, and, and sort of pushed me to where I am today, really, with my running. Yeah, and I think. Um... Before we sort of dive into this a little bit more and go a bit more specific, um, if we think about sort of what the running community gives so many people, you know, that um, that involvement with others, being part of a club, being part of uh, something greater than yourself, working out with like-minded people, whatever, all the list, the list goes on about what running does for people. But for you, you you've actually got quite a decent friendship group within the local <laughs> area that we live in from just the running club, right? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Other than um, the the handful of sort of friends that are, um, or as we call them, the gentlemen of the village, um, which is, is the is the the partners of the sort of girls um, group. Um, yeah, all of my local relationships have are, are, are from running, um, and, and and people that I, that I run with and um, know know through running. Yeah. Would you say Would you say when you moved, you expected that to happen? No, not not at all. I was, it, I've never struggled to make friends in terms of like meeting people, but obviously in lockdown and and whatnot, that was all a bit of a unknown. And as I said, I've been in my previous relationship, um, my partner produced horses, and um, that was pretty much other than financial advising, that was my life for sort of ten years, um, and, and, and sort of um, was what it was, and it, it wore me down, and uh, and that was that. But that's obviously a story for a different podcast. Um, so yes, no, I didn't really expect it. And, um, I'd already always had this sort of 
hang up in my head about not being good enough to go to join a running club. You know, I, I've done a bit of running now and again over the years, dipped in and dipped out, um, you know, in college, got fat at uni, ran. Standard. You know, you know, then then went to the gym, met some lads that ran, did some running, got involved with also spent 10 years pretty much really just doing the odd 5K here and there as part of a training session, not, not I would call myself a runner. Um, so, yeah, so no, I didn't really expect the running club to be, um, you know, my extended family as it is now. Yeah, so you, co- you come to us, you come to running club, you, you're involved and then, you know, people like myself and a few others sort of wangle you into getting involved a little bit more and you become the, the fixture secretary. And just from what I've seen you produce in terms of our fixture list for the for the year and, you know, at our club we do that, all of a sudden you find yourself writing down races all the way from 5K all the way up to ultra marathons, right? Yeah, any distance, anything and everything. As much variation as you can get in. Um, there's lots of ways that I want to improve improve that over, over time. Um, but it's just, again, having time to, to do that and fit everything in, you know, when you're, you know, you're training for longer runs and stuff, trying to fit that in around life is is quite challenging. And sometimes I can be out the door at seven in the morning and not back to 11 o'clock at night. And when you're in meetings all day and you've not really got anywhere on the road to sort of shower, you can sort of even pop out for a run at lunchtime. So trying to fit everything in, it, it can be quite a challenge. Um, when, you, when you think about that as well, when you're writing that fixture list for the club and we've got you, you know, we've got you, we've got you on boards, you've, you've come and got involved, you've been great for the club. When you're writing that fixture list out, do you see those ultra marathons on there and start thinking, "Oh, what are these? Are you curious or not really?" Yeah, I think I think the thing is 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 like my sort of um, my sort of journey has been sort of driven by probably two particular individuals, you being one of them, and and, and Neil Prowse being the other um, the other sort of carrot and stick. Um, <laughs> element to that journey, um, but I've looked at him and I like I, I look at him and I think, yeah, wow, you know, when I first started that on ultra marathon, no, you're all right, I'll leave that, thanks. Um, but I just, from my perspective, you just look at him and you think, you know, you just get to see so much, you know, you see videos of things on YouTube and whatnot, and uh, then people do them in the club and come back and say how much of a good time they've had, and you know, even if it was um, painful and goodness knows what else so you know the pain goes away but the the, the sort of enjoyment of that you felt going around seems to last a lot longer for people so um so that kind of got me going but it wasn't i was looking back the other day at my um sort of goals for 2022 um and an ultra marathon wasn't even on there running my first marathon was um like running you know the, those goals of absolutely transformed this year just on the back of training and, and what I now believe is possible. Yeah. And on, on that note then, if, if those, if those goals have transformed and changed, is it, is it the process that you were going through that made you realize that more and more was possible as you achieved the next bit? Yeah. So I, um, I don't want to jump the gun too much, but like last year, um, so when, when I joined high runners, I hadn't um, in October, 2020, I never, ever, entered a competitive running event um and never entered a race i'd been to a part run or two but i'd never actually done a a, a proper race um and the first race i entered was our local bonfire burn 10k which was virtual so i don't really count that and then i ended up doing a couple more virtuals with lockdown and stuff and then the first actual race that i ever ever did was our, our local flaming june half marathon um yeah which didn't end the way I would have liked it to. I, I, I sort of, my, my upper body seized up at about mile 10 and I had to run the last three miles in um, on the legs and, and I'd gone out too hot and it was it was warm and and whatnot. So that didn't end the way it wanted to. And um, yeah, then I was injured and I was just looking across at the, the metal wall before we came on here and I'm like, actually, I've only actually done, including the rare event I did last weekend, seven, in-person official races ever yeah so you know in that the the next thing i was going to say was let's sort of unpack your running journey and in particular your your running age if you like is is you're a young you're a young running age you've not been doing this long at all right 
No, so like as I as I sort of said before, I I'd, I'd done a bit on and off when I was uh, in in sick form and stuff. I'd I'd been I'd, I'd done you know I, I used to do nine or thirteen miles twice a week for for a couple of years when I was younger, um, and then I'd say five k's, you know, ten k's and stuff. I would do occasionally, and then I like, say horses took over for the majority of my last of my life. So I haven't really been committed and dedicated to running uh, really until I joined. Um, until March 20, really, when I moved sort of back back to my mum and dad's um, before I met Kirsten, and uh, I was running to work, which was sort of six or seven miles each way, and I was doing that a couple of times a week. But I don't really class myself as really starting serious running and having some sort of thoughts and ambitions about running um, until I joined High Runners, really. Yeah, so you, sort of unpacking where that went, um, you mentioned an injury. Um, I obviously I know a lot about your injury, but if you just fill us in in a second as well, with with that with being injured, having been sort of quite new to this running structure, if you like joining the club and and doing your first events, um, where was your head at, and what did you think you were going to go on to do initially? You say twenty twenty two goals were quite narrowed down to maybe just a, a marathon. A marathon, yeah. The, the guys, the guys listening will probably already worked out that you're now in the ultra running community. So uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's unpack it. Talk about the injury and, and where your head was. And yeah, uh, go on. Well, I, I sort of, I sort of, I've always sort of played worn or I have to, I say always I've, for the last sort of six or seven years, always worn quite minimalist footwear. So not, not a great fat lot of padding uh, and stuff, not for running, but just day to day life. Um, get quite, hot feet so that that kind of worked quite well for me um and i tried to start the sort of start barefoot doing a bit of barefoot stuff just playing about because i didn't really at that point have any sort of distance ambitions and stuff um and i got diagnosed i got really bad pain in in my foot um in my just above my toes and i got it diagnosed as a strain of the ligaments around the third and fourth metatarsal um and so that was quite painful um and i was sort of off running and i was a bit you know i wasn't the best company i was quite grumpy um because i was just sort of flaming june hadn't gone very well then i got injured and so i was in a bit of a negative headspace with that and i got some other personal stuff going on as well so i was a bit grumpy with that and then i was just getting back from that and i jumped off the top of a straw stack at the yard showing off and rolled my ankle so then that put me so I missed Cambridge half late 2021 with my previous injury. I was desperately trying to get ready for that, but I just made the decision um, that it wasn't worth then having to go through rehab again. So we wrote that off. And then I was looking forward to doing the really going for it, helpful leather at the bonfire burn in October. And like I say, uh, the week before that, jumped off a straw track, showing off at the yard, as, <laughs> as you do, um, and completely rolled the ankle. And it was it was then black and blue, and I sort of hobbled. Um, I remember the morning of the bonfire burn coming up to sort of help, and I'd strapped it up with a bandage, whacked it inside a walking boot, strapped the walking boot up, and I sort of hobbled my way up to up to help out and and, and do bag checks. I was determined that I was going to do something, um, and I sort of nursed that back, um, and then. Um, Neil um, Prowse had sort of been mentioning to me about the um, Gransden Muddy Mystery Marathon, which sounded quite cool because you know I haven't been in scouts and I, I like all the map reading and all that sort of stuff and walking. So I was like, oh, that sounds cool. And it, I'm the sort of person that likes to set myself a target and a pace to to do. And I was like, I don't want to do that with a marathon because it's it's 26.2 miles. It's not. You know, I don't want to then be upset with myself if I don't achieve that that goal. So um, I thought because it's self-navigating, so you're just doing three or four miles at a time, getting to a, a, a checkpoint, which is not a checkpoint that ultra runners would think of. It was a black box with some water, some biscuits and some jelly beans in. Um, and the next map segment, so it wasn't a manned checkpoint. Um, but I really enjoyed that. And... Um, it took us a while to get round, but yeah, we got round that, and uh, I enjoyed it so much that we went back the next month um, and ran it completely unsupported in reverse. So, <laughs> yeah, so um, you know, you sort of gone from you know injury um, in in twenty twenty one, 
and first marathon comes along January 2022, then it's a bit like buses, right? Because the next official event comes along. Yeah. So yeah. Well, the next official event really was the um, was the Cambridge Half on the sixth of March. So I'd entered the Cambridge Half, and I was like, "This was going to be my." I was really, uh, and you and, and you'll know how determined I was that I was going to do really well. And I'd I'd wanted to go sub one forty five at the Flame in June the previous year, and I hadn't. I'd missed that by. I got one forty nine, I think, and I'd run a one forty seven on a hot day in training on trails. So I knew I could do it. Um, and then obviously Cambridge Half was out that, with the injury, so I was really gutted. Um, and I, I sort of said to Neil Prowse, I said, well, you know, what time are you going for? He's like, oh, I'll definitely do some 1.45. So I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to hang on to you. Um, he's like, I'm not going to go super fast, though, but I'll do that. I was like, okay, yeah, so I'll hang on to you. Um, and I just kept shouting to him all the way around. I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm still here. I think we ran in it. He, he, he dropped me for the last couple of miles, but we, I managed to run in at about 1.35. So I was sort of, you know, massively under what I'd ever ran before and massively under what I, I targeted. And and that was, I was just over the moon with that. Um, and then I'd gone in for some absolutely bonkers reason. I'm not quite sure why. That, the, that was the Saturday. And then a week following Sunday, um, I'd entered the Cambridge Boundary Marathon. <laughs> which which the, the for anyone who's listening, race. it's... Um... It's a marathon organised by the Cambridge University Running Club. Um, Round the boundary of Cambridge. Yeah. And tell us a little bit about that and how it goes and services. And yeah. So, so I was a bit apprehensive because obviously I've just run a 135 and I'm still recovering from that and felt a bit felt a bit flat that week. Didn't really do a great fat lot of running because I was recovering from that. Um, I turned up on race day. Knew I was going to get round, um, and we sort of all set off. And I was running with again, running with a couple of the faster lads, you know, uh, running with uh, uh, Mark Flaxman, um, Neil, and I forget who else. Um, so I apologise now if you're listening. <laughs> don't be, um, don't be offended, guys. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, there was a few of us from from club running, uh, and we sort of set off. Um, at, a, at a decent pace, and um, yeah, we, we, we ran a decent half marathon time. And I'm thinking, right, okay, um, have we gone out a bit quick? You know, in the back of my head, I'm thinking, oh, okay, this is this is fast, you know. Um, and the wheels didn't completely fall off, um, until we got to what they call Heartbreak Hill at the end, up past the American, um, sort of water, which I think just after I'd seen you in the you, you saw you in the car, and then. Um, the kind of the wheels fell off then and I was just like I was really on time I wanted to do sub four hours and I was really on time for for doing that and then the wheels fell off and I was like I was just not in a, a good way I just hadn't fueled it right um, but I hadn't really played with fueling that much because you know Gransden wasn't I wasn't pushing for a time so it wasn't so much of an issue um, and then unsupported doing it backwards I you know I wasn't I didn't really have it in my head that fueling was what had caused my struggles on that. Um, so, yeah, so the wheels fell off. Unfortunately, um, Neil sort of managed to get me around that. Um, and we sort of just jeffed it home. And we managed to come in at, still managed to come in at 3.54, jeffing it home. So um, that was, yeah, I was was pleased with that. That was, that was a good result. Um, and then that kind of, Led on to the last race that we've done, really. So yeah, then no, that was yeah, that was so, all so good fun. Two marathons, right? Two official yeah. ones, yeah. Two races, yeah. Two races. So then, and then you decided to go on to an ultra marathon. Well, so the funny story is, so um, Neil's um, wife Monica was away doing her training runs on the South Downs for her 106 mile race, and my partner Kirsten was away on a um a hen weekend or, or something with the girls anyway um so me and neil were sort of left to our own devices and uh, i sort of went for a run with him and we we're having a chat about all right what's next now after the marathon this that and he, he was saying he felt like he needed a challenge and i was like well i'm up for i'm up for doing something stupid you know let's see what's see what we can do um and we spent the evening drinking beers and scrolling through sort of 
fixtures lists trying to work out what fitted with the with the diary and whatnot um and we never really came on nothing really came of it um we sort of we came up with a few ideas but we couldn't really settle on the decision and uh, then i got a text from him the next day saying one of the other lads had entered the Duke cruise 40 um which you know runs around the Duke cruise area in uh, in nottinghamshire starting off from wellsby um sports club and village hall um which for anybody that knows the area, it runs right by Wellsby Scout Camp, and I spent a lot of my youth being from the area um, at Wellsby Scout Camp, and then running around the various different forests and whatnot, the odd little bit of runs that I did do, and, and, and mountain biking around, well, not mountain bike, off road biking, should I say? There's not no mountains around there. Um, so I was like, I was up for it because it got that sort of personal connection for me. I was up for it, and I didn't really think that it was the, the distance didn't really enter into my head at that point. Like, 40 miles, I was like, right, it's, you know, I've done 26 and I knew how hard 26 was, but I just hadn't got any comprehension of of what 40 miles was going to be. Um, and then I, I told Kirsten and she said, right, best sit down and make a training plan then, aren't you? <laughs> so, um, nice, nice. so, yeah, so um, I think I actually seriously only started training like eight weeks, dedicated training for that. I only had like eight, seven or eight weeks between finishing boundary and uh, and or having a week of recovery and then and then starting off on my training again. So I had to really, you know, there aren't many eight-week ultramarathon training plans out there. So I scoured the internet, found some shorter training plans, and tried to pop something, tried to pop something together. You know, I'm not not qualified in in any of that sports science or anything like that. So it's just kind of right. Okay, what seems doable what's not going to break me what's but what's going to give me the confidence on race day that i can get around um and and off i went really yeah so if i think out loud with that and ask you a question you you're already marathon fit and then you get to that point of you know going to the ultra marathon in, in an eight week period say right yes so you're already at marathon fitness how did things start to change in that eight weeks for you compared to what you were doing before? Um, well, I think I'd done a lot of I'd done a lot of slower stuff before Christmas. Did November and December, I'd um, I'd really listened to you and, and other people saying, "Look, you need to do your long runs slow." So I'd done that, but then it, it started to creep back up again um, because I wasn't. Although I'd got things in the diet, I wasn't tra- following a plan. I wasn't really training for anything in between. I was just going out and running. Um, so I wasn't really sort of following a plan or anything. Um, so the pace had sort of crept back in a little bit. Um, I mean, they weren't rapid, but, you know, they, they weren't slow. So um, I was then concerned because got, we've got a few things in in the diary in, the, in those eight weeks, especially in the latter half, I've got a weekend away, a long weekend away in Italy, um, two weeks before. We were, it's not like two weeks before, three weeks before the ultra. So on my highest mileage week, I think we've got a weekend away, long weekend away in Italy, booked. And then the weekend before the ultra, we were up in Scotland for, um, we were, I go to the diary for, for three to four days for um, one of Kirsten's friends' wedding. So, I was like, right, okay, so there's going to be some points where I'm not going to be running, um, you know. So, so as as a like, when life hits you like that, what well, how do you adapt? You adapt? What do you do? What did you know, strategies wise? So, so what I did, what 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 I did is, is as I put the training plan, I put the training plan down, put the holidays in, fitted fitted things in around the training plan, um, and kind of ignored work in terms of how that fitted in um for for sort of just just had right on this day i need to do this run and well i'll fit it in and if i don't do it then i'll either add a couple of miles to every other run this week or i'll i'll, I'll skip one short running you know and, and focus on the longer stuff so um i managed to fit it all in i, I should have uh, got the training plan somewhere but i managed to fit it all in my longest run was a 30 mile um, run so I just ran from here uh, from Cottenham up to uh, up to Ely and then back down and back across so I did that the day we came back came back from holiday got about six hours sleep and then I went got nothing in the house I just went to Colt, bought 
couple of sausage rolls and some, some oranges and bananas and, and chuck the vest on and off I went. So, um, and that was a, I did that all with poles as well. I took the poles out, uh, my walking poles out with me um, and ran the whole thing with poles. And um, I'm glad I did because I was, I was sort of struggling towards the end, but I got round. Um, it kind of did the opposite for me uh, in the, I was like, oh my goodness, that was 30 miles and I'm absolutely hanging and um, I've, got, I've got to do 10 extra miles. I was like, right, okay, we need to, we need to sort of adjust some strategies. But uh, I think actually on reflection, that was exactly where I needed to be. I needed to go, right, okay, you are there. That's where you are doing another run, long run between now or, you know, doing a run that starts with a two, another two, a two before now. And and then the, the ultra is not going to make any difference. It's, you need to get that rest in your legs. You've yeah, got, yeah. you know, you've got the wedding the weekend before you need to make sure you don't get absolutely annihilated at that. So you're not like running with, dehy- you know, trying to recover from dehydration or whatever um, the week before and just, get round there was you know very generous cut off on the race so you know i wasn't worried it was a 10 and a half hour cut off on a what normal people us that that, that don't live in uh, cambridgeshire would call flat <laughs> course so um i think 654 meters of elevation over 41 and a half miles so yeah that's you know, that's Pretty quite, flat. Flat, quite, quite flat. Although I'm not sure I, I thought so at the time. Um, yeah, but, yeah, yeah no, anyone, it, was, it was good. Anyone listening anyone to this regularly will, will appreciate the, the references to Cambridgeshire all the time, mate. And, uh, you know, I think Nottinghamshire, that area, we've both spent time there in our lives and yeah. we know it's not hilly as well. No, it's undulating, but it's not hilly. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about the actual race, Sherwood Forest, around that area. Talk about it. Yeah, so it was yeah, like Sherwood Forest, um, Clumber Park, uh, Cresswell Crags, um, or that, that sort of area. So it was um so it was um, done by a um a, a group of events called Hobo Pace. Um so difficult to sort of give any sort of comparison and stuff being my first ultra. I haven't really got anything to compare compare it to but um you know a couple of the chaps that i was running with are seasoned having done the half sunrise ultra which you've featured a couple of times in discussions on the on the podcast so people might be familiar with um and they were quite impressed with how well it stopped it was and it was a really nice friendly event wasn't too many people um it wasn't sort of you didn't sort of feel like the the poor relations so you didn't feel like you were surrounded by a load of elite runners and you were going to be struggling um it was just a generally friendly atmosphere and very well organized at the start and 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 whatnot um the checkpoints i thought for me were really really well spaced so um that was quite nice um and for me the route worked out really well because it meant that all my family from the local area were able to come and sort of dip in at different points um to sort of see us which i think was nice because none of the other guys had any support um from from anyone so it was nice and once my family had seen us all once like they did dib in and sort of see us all at, at, at different points so um the checkpoints were all, all really well stocked and stuff so um yeah no really nice event we'll definitely go back and do another hobo pace event and, and, and we'll go back and do the hopefully go back and do the Duke's 40 because i think uh neil prowse has got a point to prove next year so hopefully go back and and, and do it again next year yeah, so our good, our good friend Neil DNF'd, unfortunately, due to uh, circumstances on the day, probably. Um, I would say he's pretty well trained and fit at times, most of the time. So um, I think going back and proving a point is always a great thing. Something I did, and something I did at an event called the Grim Reaper, and I understand during your first ultramarathon, you actually met the new... Yeah, the did, new, yeah, new owner of the Grim Reaper, yeah, and Steve's Steve. been on. Yeah. He's been on the podcast. Yeah, so, no, no, that was that was really, really quite cool. Just like bumping, and I, I was wearing my high runners colours, um, and he sort of that's how he he noticed um, he noticed me. It's like, oh, you know, he mentioned like the club and stuff, and I said, oh yeah, well, I'm actually on the team that's entered, 
um, and, and we got chatting and stuff, and we had a good a good chat. It was really really nice to meet him. Having never done Grim Reaper before, um, I don't really know what the event's like, so it kind of all made it made me even more excited to sort of um, get there and do it. Just sort of hearing about his passion for for rekindling the event, really. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's something he will do, and it'll be great that that we all go there as a club. And I'm excited to go back there. And I know you're in already. And I think Steve's been on this podcast, and he's had a good chat about the idea of getting into ultra marathons and the beginning ultra marathon running. And you're at that stage at the moment. Just let's assume quite a few of the listeners are at that stage. Just explain to them what emotions you kind of go through when you go through that marathon mark compared to say completing a normal marathon? Uh, that's an interesting question. Cause I don't really acknowledge the marathon mark. Um, for me, the mark I acknowledge is the furthest distance I've ever run. Um, and I sort of say, right, you know, you're in, 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 in uncharted territory here. Um, no matter what happens from, so for me, it was 30 miles with that particular race. So I've done the 30 mile training run. Um, and I, I, won't, I won't go as far as say I was feeling fresh. Um, but at 30 miles, I was confident I was going to get to the end. Um, so I was sort of like, right, okay, well, worst that happens, even if you don't make it to the end now, you've made it a mile further than you've ever made it before. And then when you get to the next mile, it was, okay, you've made another mile further than you've ever made it before. So for me, it was kind of like that. Once I've got, for me, it's always that marker of the longest I've ever ran before rather than I've done a, a marathon. I mean, we sort of started our sort of, we broke the 40 miles down when we were talking about it into three half marathons. So we kind of like acknowledged to each other the first half marathon we'd gone to. And then by the time we got to the, the marathon distance, Neil had, um, DNF'd and, and Andy and Mark had already pushed on so I was on my own at that point so um, I kind of didn't really acknowledge that I just acknowledged the 30 miles which was my sort of previous longest run and, and sort, of, sort of pushed on from there really See that's interesting because I wasn't asked that question but when I asked that question I've asked it once before and you're the second person but when I ask it I think back to mine and I noticed that I didn't really think, really think about it either. Yeah, maybe for the previous, for the previous whatever time you've time built up to that. that. You know, six months six before months that, before that, that. You, that's yeah, all you that's thought, all you thought about. about. Yeah, it seemed like such a long way when I first joined High Runners, you know, and I'd never run further than a half marathon. Yeah, and then yeah. Like a marathon seems so far out of reach. And then you do a marathon, and then you're like, all oh, right, okay. Um, that's done there. And then you go out and you do a 30 mile training run and, and then you're like, all right, okay, that was hard. I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to do any more. And then on the day, you know, I went through a range of emotions on the day. It was such an emotional day. I think I said to Kirsten when I finished it, I said, I phoned her, I said, that was the most horrifically emotional thing <laughs> I've, ever, I've ever done. It was amazing. I'd do it again, but it was even thinking about it now, the, the range of emotions I went through on that day. Um, never thought about giving up, never thought about giving up once, but I just I just went through so many emotions, just seeing my best mate there on the course and stuff and uh, and whatnot, and his little lad cheering me on and um, and just, yeah, just, just seeing people and just getting around it and just having that sense of achievement on the day, it was just, it was an emotional roller coaster. I was, uh, I can certainly relate to Steve Coles when he says uh, about, you know, like crying when you get over the finish line. Cause I just, I was such an emotion. I died. There were a couple of times, not necessarily over the finish line, but there were a couple of times where I got sort of tears in my eyes and I had to take some deep breaths to uh, sort of happy tears. You know what I mean? Like emotional tears, not like want to give up tears, but yeah, no, it was, it was a good event. So in a world of a man working with figures for your day job, and if you had to pick a number out of the air, what percentage of ultra running is in the head? Oh, okay. Um, I think I, I would say 75% of it is probably in the head, I think, because 75% of the effort leading up to the event is in the training. The dedicate is difficult to quantify, isn't it? Because 
to do the training, you've got to be dedicated. And to be dedicated, you've got to be in the headspace. So, yeah. you know, it's all kind of like you can't you can't blag. I mean, I'm sure there are people out there that, that can blag an ultra, but I'm not sure that you can ever truly blag an ultra. You've got to put some sort of dedication and training in there, in which case you would have had to have sort of mentally overcome all those questions that I'm sure we all experience. Am I, am I devoting too much time to running? Am I devoting enough time to my family? I don't want to compromise, you know, one area, any one area of my life. Am I being selfish by dedicating so much time to, um, to running and stuff? And there are a couple of things I used to sort of overcome that, but, um, but yeah, I think, you know, it, it, a lot of it is mental, I think. And on the day, it's about running your own race as well. I know everybody always says it about whatever distance you do, run your own race. And, um, and But I was so, that was, I think that was one of the things I was most proud of on, on on that ultra, was that even when we started off and the other three were all chatting and the pace was picking up, I just, I was probably going a bit faster than I would have wanted to have been going. Um, but I dropped back a few steps and sort of just go, no, I'm going to run my own pace. If they go off, it's fine. You're going to get round. It's fine. Um, but I felt like I fueled quite well. I, I made some mistakes, but um, I broke the rule of nothing new on race day, but it paid off. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to take that one. So, so how does so it feel going from, from, you know, last 18 last months, not really not being really a runner to ultra marathon? Yeah, it's odd. It's odd. It's like, I kind of, at the moment, it's not really sunk in, you know, we've had so many, huge achievements, distance achievements in the club just recently. You know, we've got Helen's out doing her Cape Wrath at the moment. Monica done her 106 miles, you know, the previous weekend. It kind of, you know, humbles you a little bit, I think, you know, and like, it's only 40 miles. But then when you sort of think, actually, hold on, that's six months I've gone from, you know, half marathon to ultra marathon in six months. That's actually something to be pretty pretty proud of and it, it's a pretty exponential curve on the old increase i'm not sure if you actually did the maths um that i would have met the uh, maximum recommended mileage increase a week if you actually if you actually worked it out but um but yeah no it feels it feels it feels really good i'm just excited to see what's next um excited bucket list um excited just yeah just to see where where I can go, um, I've got a few other, I've got a few different bits for the rest of this year. So we'll kind of see what the rest of this year brings in terms of what I fit in. Um, but I'm, I'm excited, definitely excited for next year to see what what we can really what I can really achieve. So bearing in mind, taking into account that that idea of um, you know that exponential curve as you like the 10% rule, probably you're saying you're over that. You take that into account, right? Um, what is, what is the aim here? Where, where do you think you can go? Oh, <clears throat> making me uncomfortable now. Um, <laughs> I don't know, mate. I, I, I think you go, I, 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 I really don't know. Um, at the moment I'm just enjoying it and it's about, you know, I, I enjoyed being away with my friends from the club, doing something that I enjoy just as much as I enjoy the challenge of the uh, of the altar itself. Um, you know, comprehending at the moment those larger distances is quite challenging. Um, you know, anything 50 miles plus is a little bit scary at the moment. Um, is that because of what you just did? Um... I just think it's just the time, isn't it? You know, it's like, you know, you know, eight hours is a long time, and it, it did fly by. To be fair, but I and I was all right afterwards. You know, the day, the evening of, I was really stiff and stuff. But the next day, I was all right. And then, you know, I, I've, I've done a few bits, and obviously, I, 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 I put in a good session. It felt like I put in a good session on Wednesday night at training. So, um, you know, I, I think I have got. If I, if I keep the training and keep the structure, I've, I've definitely got more in there and I'm excited to see what that is. I'm just, I'm not sure what the, what the limit or the time scale is. Um, because I think, you know, ideally I want to do it without getting injured if I can. So, um, yeah, trying not to be 
too sort of blase and gung ho and uh, trying to go, oh, well, I've done 40, let's do 50, you know, and just sort of being a bit cocky about it. I'm just trying to be very, um, very objective about it. And, and like I said, I've got my first triathlon entered for the um, for October this year and London Marathon weekend um, up in Scotland. So that'll be, that. I, I've got a few weeks off now of, of sort of structured running training. I'll just run for fun um, and then just do some S&C, do plenty of weights and kettlebells and stuff. Um, for the next sort of six weeks, and then it will kick into kick into sort of the uh, the training for the um, for the triathlon. But as I say, I've never done a triathlon before, so it will be uh, it'll be another new experience. So you're getting out there with lots of different new things, which is great. But also with what you're saying there, including maybe triathlon world or or, or other endurance based events, what would you say is the bucket is there a bucket list you know youtube and all of this all of that information's out there is there a bucket list race that you want to do well, i was thinking about this a lot in the car today because i knew you were going to kind of <laughs> ask the question and because i hadn't really sort of done my first ultra until last weekend i hadn't really sort of got to the point of thinking about oh i'd like i'd like to do this or instead of you to say oh, i'd like to do this or i'd like to do the other or, i'd like to do you know whatever because talk is cheap isn't it at the end of the day actually then achieving those things is actually quite scary um i have a very 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 special place in my heart for scotland um and just driving north of the border just just i i become a completely different person i feel completely different i feel so peaceful um so yeah so um and i know um, Helen's not having the, the greatest time weather-wise, I don't think, uh, up on the Cape Wrath. But, um, yeah, the, the Cape Wrath's definitely up there. Um, I think I'd quite like to do that. That'll take a few years, I think, to sort of build the mileage up in the legs over time and stuff to feel confident in that because I don't want to break myself. Um, yeah, I. other than that, there's... There's just so much out there these days. There's so much choice. It's not that niche. It's not quite such a niche sport anymore, is it? So you're not kind of limited. Um, you know, you've got some of your silly stuff over in America. Um, you know, which, which seems quite cool. I, I quite quite like the. There's one that I've really I've sort of looked at a few times that I think could be really cool, but I'm not sure whether I'd ever do it. So I suppose it should go on the bucket list. That's the point of a bucket list, isn't it? You know, and that'd be the Falklands Ultra. Um, that looks really sort of really out of out of the sort of usual zone of what people sort of say um and then i've just got a few races that i think you know are, are achievable um you know mainly scotland scotland based um i think i'd quite like to have a go at the lakes in a day um yeah but yeah that yeah kate kate brass definitely on the bucket list um and I, I would like at some point to have a go at the falklands but that nice. looks proper hardcore Nice. That's cool. So thinking about your, your journey so far up to this point and, and, and that transition time, if you like, from, from where you started to, to hitting that ultra recently, what would you, have you got any sort of tips, maybe three tips for someone who's sitting there sort of thinking about wanting to do an ultra, but hasn't done a marathon yet. Have you got sort of three, three or four tips for them? Uh, the first one will be have a plan. Um, but be flexible and don't be too hard on yourself because I think that for me was a big sort of, I'm very much an all or nothing person. Um, so like if I don't stick to my plan, but it'd be very easy for me as a, with how I am personally to sort of just like, oh, well, what's the point? You know, if I've not done, if I miss one run and I'm like, oh, what's the point sort of thing, I'll be able to find excuses quite easily because I'm, I'm, I'm not sort of all or nothing. So try and be flexible be and be forgiving on yourself with that plan. Um, yeah. would be my first sort of um, sort of tip um, and just try and the second sort of thing would be figure out what you need to get you over that line and I know that's like a really silly thing to say like well how do I know what I need before I've done it you know um, but I know for me psychologically going into my first marathon I needed to have ran a training one that's had a two at the end of the mile you know at the start of the miles I needed to have done a 20 so that I knew what that, it felt familiar to that distance. It was, I was then only running a 20 plus six rather than running 
you know, an 18 plus eight or a, you know, do you know what I mean? Or 16 plus 10. Yeah. yeah um, yeah. I knew that I needed that 20. So I made sure that I factored that into the training plan. Um, so try and figure out, you know, if there is anything that you feel like you need, just because it doesn't say it in the training plan, put it in. If that's what you feel you need to give you the confidence to turn up on race day and do it, um, then, then go for it um, and, and make sure it goes in there. Don't, don't necessarily be led by what people say that you need if you think you need something different. Um, and, um, yeah. Um, and the other one is I have I, – I'm going to say it, but I haven't really preached it too much sort of during my training plan. Um, but I have over the years um, done a lot of variability um uh, which i know is something that you're really you're really keen on um and obviously i've been down to the gym and done a few sort of olympic bar sessions with you down at the gym um and i've got my own setup at home and over the years i have sort of dipped into to stuff and um that's the thing that i find with my short schedule and fitting things in around work it's very difficult to sort of do snc alongside the amount of running that i needed to do i didn't have the time so um I kind of just fitted it in as and when I could do, or if I didn't have time to go for a, a run, I'd do a kettlebell session to sort of replace that because I could do it quicker. Um, but now I've got six weeks where um, I haven't got anything, you know, my training plan doesn't start for, for another six weeks. So I've got six weeks where I haven't got any specific runs that I need to do. So I will sort of let the running peter off a little bit, maybe just do a longer run on a week and then a couple of, you know, a high runners training session in the week and another run. And then, and, and then try and fill the week up with, with strength-based sessions just to try and get that variability and, and that different sort of impact and into the legs. Yeah. No, I think, I think you, your variability thing's great there. You know, always interesting to get those free tips because no one's free tips are wrong because they've been through it, if you know what I mean. But I think what you say there about variability is really interesting because, and I'm going to say this, I'm, I don't like to be controversial, um, but, you know, we're going for it and I'm going to say it out loud because I know you like CrossFit as I do. But I think listening to the CrossFit, like, kind of ideals at the beginning of what when CrossFit was formed, they talked about not being so good at weightlifting that it affected your flexibility and it affected your vo2 max badly but also not being not being too aerobically fit so that you weren't able to do the power stuff right and then you talk about variability there and i'm starting to ask these as a coach now i'm reading things and i'm reading the latest research strength conditioning training all that and i'm starting to ask would someone like matt fraser if he he goes on the Joe Rogan podcast or whatever, and he says, "Oh, these ultra runners are absolutely amazing," David Goggins, blah 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 blah. And do you know what we are? Our industry, our community is. But but if you stuck Matt Fraser in a forty mile race, fifty mile race, I reckon he'd finish because of his fitness. So just um, any thoughts on that? It's a bit of a just a wild statement, just putting it out there. But you like CrossFit, so what do you yeah. Think? Um... When can I buy tickets to enter that race? I mean, <laughs> that that would be so cool. Being on the start line of an ultra marathon with some cross with some like top top of the world crossfit. I I, I think they'd smash it, you know. Um I think they'd they finish. Are, yeah, they would. Yeah, they, and I don't I don't think they'd just finish. I think they would actually they've got the psychological minerals yep. to get to, to, to just keep to, to just grunt through the pain. And I think sometimes that's, that's what you need, you know, yeah, I'm not sure that they'd necessarily get around a hundred miles, but you know, you put them on a, a 40 miler or a 35 miler. And I don't think there's, you wouldn't bet against them finishing. And then, um, and therefore I think, you know, anyone can, you know, I know they're, they're fit and I don't, you know, anyone can do anything that they put their mind to. Um, and, and I know you, you say it a lot, if you know, you say at the start of the podcast, when online stuff like, if you want to do it, you'll do it. If you don't, you'll make excuses. And it's it is true, isn't it? You know, like if there's something you don't want to do at work, you're like, oh, you, I've got to go and pick the kids up, or oh, I didn't have time to do that because of this, or or really, if you'd have wanted to do it, or you needed to do it, you would have done it. Um, so yeah, I, I think <laughs> I like the whole sort of 
I've, I've never trained in a CrossFit gym. I enjoy watching it. Um, and I enjoy the sort of all round nature of it. And for me, that's, that's the fitness I want is I, I, I don't get me wrong. I love ultra marathons and, and running and marathons and, and everything else. Um, and that'll always be my, you know, as long as I'm fit enough to do it and able to do it, that'll be my, that'll be, will be my core. Um, but I just want to be, I just want to look how I want to look and, and, and be fit and healthy and be able to do things that, that I want to keep doing. And um, I think as, as these ultra marathons get hillier and poles certainly become more of a part of these, the upper body strength is going to be far, far, you know, more important than it is running around, say, the, the Duke Cruise 40. Um, and, you know, how do you train upper body strength running? You, you, it doesn't, running doesn't train your upper body strength, does it really? So, um, so you, you've, you've got to do some, some diversity training, haven't you really? Yeah, I, no, I, I think that's a, that's a really good answer and um, good to get your opinion on that as well. Cause I think, is there any CrossFitters listening to this podcast? And if you are, if you're an ultra runner and you're, and you're listening to this podcast or you know any, you know, any CrossFitters, just put, ask them the question, ask them what they think to that question because it's something that's just hit me in the last six weeks where these guys are so fit can they just turn up and participate in something that all right they're not specifically trained for but i'm just interested if anyone is listening and wants to talk to me about that or anyone is really qualified in the crossfit world or whatever let's let's just have a chat i just want to just want to pick someone's brains that'd be really good but anyway so Thanks very much, Dan. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, I know I'll personally look forward to the continuation of following your journey and and where you go with it. And I'm, I'm sure we'll we'll do a bit of that side by side, hopefully as well. Um, fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed, mate. I, I am I am very hopeful that we can go and have many a many an adventure together as well. Hopefully, so. Um, but no, thanks for coming on the show, mate. Really appreciate your your time and and what you've had to say today. No, thank you for having me. It's been it's been lovely to come on and have a have a chat about things, and hopefully um, there'll be many more achievements and experiences, good and bad, that we can have a chat about in the future. Yeah, no, awesome, awesome. So, team, hopefully you all enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, if you could share it on to anyone who you think would uh, find that interesting, and and what Dan's had to say there, I think, is really crucial in terms of that early part of someone's journey in ultra running. So if you know anyone who's starting off, why don't you send them this podcast so they can have a listen to what Dan's found out over the recent weeks. And if you could also give us a star rating and a comment on whichever platform you are listening or watching. So that's us for today. I hope you enjoyed yourselves. And I hope that we can meet here again to discuss more on the Ultra Running Podcast. <laughs>